Welcome to Fishing Forward, a podcast inspired by fishermen for fishermen that focuses on health, safety, and staying ship shape in the commercial fishing industry. Fishing Forward is brought to you by the Northeast Center for Occupational Health and Safety and by the Coastal Roots Radio team at the University of Guelph in Ontario, Canada. I'm your co-host, Hannah Harrison. And I'm Philip Loring. In our first episodes, we talked about how fishermen can be thought of as professional fishing athletes. That is, that the nature of their work demands the same high level of mental focus, training, and physical acuity that one might expect from a professional sports athlete. Throughout this podcast series, we're using that lens to understand the many facets of fishermen's minds, bodies, and well-being. And we're digging deep into tough questions around issues critical to the fishing industry. In this episode, we're making a visit to the ship's galley to talk about one of the most important elements on a fishing boat, food. Diet and nutrition play a huge role in how well our bodies function when we're working, particularly when we're dealing with a lack of sleep, extreme temperatures, and calorie-burning labor. Fishing boats present an additional layer of challenges in that they are like little islands. You can only eat and drink what you bring with you, and room to store and prepare food is pretty limited. So many fishermen, especially small boat fleets, are challenged to bring food that is easy to prepare, that provides enough energy, and that won't go bad before they've had a chance to eat it. This immediately brings to mind boats I've been on, where the cupboards were full of instant noodles, instant coffee, and canned baked beans. Not exactly what you'd imagine in the kitchen of an Olympic athlete. And that kind of makes me wonder, are these the types of foods that professional fishing athletes should be eating? Well, to answer those questions, this episode brings you voices from the world of diet science and fishermen who are getting creative in their own kitchens. My name is Hillary Pride. I am a Southern Maine-based registered dietitian and personal trainer. And kind of the focus of my work is um, helping my clients find nutrition strategies that feel very doable, approachable, you know, giving them some some skills that they feel empowered to kind of take their nutrition into their own hands um, and not be intimidated by creating a healthier diet. Hillary sees the work of commercial fishing as having strong parallels with athleticism. You know, you are on your feet all day. Um, it's definitely not a desk job. You might be lifting things, maybe those long hours too. It's all going to add up to some pretty significant sort of impacts on what we need to eat. And I think reframing, you know, how we can eat during the day for a job like this as uh, nutrition and hydration to really fuel that day is a good way to look at that. What Hillary is saying here about food being fuel, I think can be deceptively simple. A lot of the time when we're hungry, especially if we're also cold and tired, we just want to eat something hot, something that feels and tastes good. Comfort foods, things that are familiar to us. But thinking of food as fuel really connects to replenishing our ability to keep working. Yeah, I think you really hit the nail on the head there when you mentioned being tired. We're going to get way more into issues of sleep in future episodes, but Hillary points out an important link between being tired and how our bodies instruct us to eat. When we have a lack of sleep um, or when that sleep schedule is just really kind of not regulated, um, what happens is our hormones that tell the body that we're hungry are, they're going to be more active. Uh, whereas those hormones that say like, nope, you know, we've, we've had enough to eat. We're feeling fueled. We're feeling well. Uh, those are going to be diminished. So 
Sometimes you might be thinking, I've eaten enough, I think, um, I think I'm hydrated, but you might just really be feeling a sense of nothing that I keep feeding myself is really um, sort of satisfying that hunger. So it can be, uh, that can be kind of a tricky one. That's just that it gets um, confusing to really determine what's actual hunger versus what's the kind of body's chemistry sending us mixed messages. So if we had to break it down, what exactly do fishing athletes need in their diets? Well, that is exactly what I asked Hillary. So I'll hand it over to her to explain. So to work long periods of time, um, our bodies need enough food. Um, That's kind of, I think, a general way to look at it. We need enough calories. uh, And we also need those calories sort of spaced out at times during the day that our body is going to be able to access that fuel. Um, To kind of break it down further, you know, you could think that um, we need enough protein. enough carbohydrates and enough fat as well. So getting a balance of those macronutrients versus maybe relying heavily on uh, a really carb rich diet um, that could be not as high in protein or some of those healthy fats. And we also need enough hydration as well. That's a really important one to consider for, um, you know, fueling a hardworking day, a long day, Um, and obviously also just the benefits that come with staying hydrated as well. Okay. So proteins, carbohydrates, and fats eaten in balance and hydration. Now that makes sense. So maybe it would be helpful to talk about what kind of foods fulfill those categories. A very good idea. Fortunately, Hillary had some good ideas for shelf stable things that might be more edible on a boat that fulfill these requirements. Let's start out with protein. If we're looking at, you know, ways to get some protein in the diet, uh, we could be looking at things um, like something as simple as a grab and go protein bar, um, hard boiled eggs, even something like a beef jerky that's going to provide some protein. Uh, Cheese is going to be a great source of protein and nuts. And now healthy fats. For healthy fats, that's uh, another one where you could look to things like... um, you know, some nuts, those are going to provide healthy fats. Um, Sardines uh, packed in something like olive oil, that's actually a really great source of healthy fats. uh, In addition to protein, um, also some vitamin D, calcium. So that's a pretty nutrient dense choice there. Uh, Things like looking at uh, certain condiments that maybe are made from a olive oil base, like an olive oil mayonnaise, um, maybe a canola oil, that's also going to provide some healthy fats in the diet as well. Okay. I would not have thought of condiments, but that's a good idea for the boat. Isn't that a good idea? I have been on so many boats that had like a world-class collection of condiments. So I'm glad that we can work that in there. Now here's Hillary's ideas for carbohydrates. Looking for good sources of carbohydrates, that's going to be where uh, you could just look to some of your favorites. Like maybe it's a cracker, um, maybe it's a bread or a wrap, but looking for choices that are made out of um, a whole grain. And that whole grain is going to make sure we're getting higher fiber, a little more protein. Um, It will have some naturally occurring nutrition in there that a refined flour won't have. um, And it will help to keep you full longer. So keeping you, you know, on your feet working longer. 
I like Hillary's suggestion here because so many of these foods would be easy switches to make instead of buying vegetable oil mayo, picking an olive oil-based mayo instead, or buying whole grain crackers or whole grain bread instead of the highly refined stuff. But it does seem like sometimes the old standbys of canned foods that you can just heat up and eat quickly are necessary. It reminds me, you know, Hannah, it reminds me of the last time I was out on a lobster boat out east. And, you know, when you're on those boats, there's such little amount of time to actually sit down and prepare something unless you've made it beforehand. It's the only time you really have is in between, you know, when you're driving from one runner traps to another. And and so the last time I was out on that boat, you know, these the fishermen had these big bags of Kit Kats. And they, by the end of that trip, they had just gone through this whole big bag of Kit Kats. Now, definitely not the kind of nutrition we're talking about here, but it was kind of the only thing they had time for. You know, I completely agree. And I hear what you're saying there. Time is so precious on a fishing boat. Often that decision comes down to either making something hot and fast or getting a few more extra minutes of sleep. And that evaluation of whether you've balanced your fats and carbs and protein for the day probably isn't coming to mind. So I asked Hillary to talk a little bit about what we're eating when we eat convenience foods and what we can do to balance that out. So sometimes the pre-prepared choices like canned soups, uh, frozen entrees can be really high in sodium uh, and they may not be high enough in something like protein or some of those healthy fats. Uh, So not not enough balance to really provide some nutrition that's going to make us feel fueled and feel really good to keep working. Um, I will say that a lot of brands are starting to realize that the consumers want a choice like that, that they can you know, microwave, heat up really quickly, that's going to be lower in sodium, contain things like whole grains, uh, maybe some extra beans or vegetables in addition to a meat protein. So there are some healthier choices out there. And so you mentioned having too much sodium in the diet. I think, you know, that's something we hear a lot of. Can you explain what happens when you do have too much, too much sodium in the diet? So too much sodium in the diet is linked with, uh, just negative health outcomes like hypertension. So higher blood pressure and, um, cardiovascular disease. Okay. And so if fishermen do find themselves eating a lot of sodium, is there something they can do to help balance that out? Do they just drink more water or, or what does Hillary suggest? You know, I am a salt lover. So I was so pleased to hear that there is something we can do to help balance out our sodium intake. Here's Hillary again. So to balance sodium, it's actually interesting. Uh, you can choose foods like bananas, um, citrus, foods that will contain potassium. So potassium and sodium kind of work together, I will say, um, and that can kind of help balance out the negative effects of sodium. Now, this isn't to say that adding a few bananas to our diets is going to balance out every high sodium can of beans or pasta that we've ever eaten, but adding more potassium to our diets can certainly help in the short term. Of course, that means getting more fishermen to maybe bring things like bananas on their boats. So we'll see how that goes. But in the meantime, it's important to not ditch the salty snacks just yet, as they can play an important role in the sometimes sweaty work of fishing. You know, what the climate is that you're working in and how maybe, you know, no two days are going to be the same, Um, especially thinking of very hot climates or warm climates. If you're working and sweating a lot, you're going to be losing electrolytes and that can disrupt your body's sort of balance of being hydrated. 
um, and then, you know, lead to things like some of those negative dehydration symptoms we talked about before. So that's a time when maybe it is important to say, I do need to have that sugar sweetened beverage. You know, maybe it's a Gatorade, um, even something like a broth that has salt in there. Uh, that could be a way to replenish some of that sodium that we are losing through our sweat. Um, even things like, you know, if you don't have access to a Gatorade, something like some salty pretzels or salty chips can also help replenish that, uh, that sodium as well. So my name is John Corbin. Um, I have fished out of the uh, Columbia River for most all of my career. I've also up in Alaska kind of been all over everywhere. Home port is the Columbia River. I've been doing this for, I think, 43 years now. John started his fishing career on deck on a shrimp boat, then went into Dungeness Crab, and since has worked in many different fisheries. Now John manages his fleet from shore, which fishes black cod, Dungeness Crab, and ink shrimp on the west coast of the United States, and Pacific cod, halibut, and tendering for salmon in Alaska. Like I say, on the west coast, we do pink shrimp, um, which is a trawl fishery. We tow nets. You don't catch shrimp at night, so you do get to sleep all night long. Uh, Dungeness crab is what we call a derby fishery, which when the gun goes off, it catches as much crab as you can in the shortest amount of time. And it is a high, uh, high energy fishery that, that is, is where probably most of sleep deprivation and things like that occur. We use crab pots, 100 to 120 pounds a piece, and uh, we fish a lot of them, and you just keep fishing them over and over and over again. When you, you start out with uh, pot number one, and when you finish with pot number 500, you go back to number one and start over again, and, and uh, you just keep going and going. John mentioned derby fisheries here, where the metaphorical gun goes off and everyone in that fishery is challenged to catch as much as they can until the fishery is closed or the effort is no longer worth it. When you go out there and then it gets less and less and less as the, as the season progresses. So your best fishing is right out of the gates and then it, uh, it slows down. And pretty soon you get to the point after the first month or so, you kind of get to the point of trip fishing where you just go out and run the gear, move some around, whatever, come in and take a couple days off and then go back out and do it again. And then you kind of quit whenever, uh, whenever you're done, whenever it's not working for you or you've got another fishery to jump into. Derby-style fisheries are notorious for being high risk because fishermen are incentivized to fish in dangerous weather to catch their share. And things like nutrition and sleep can often take a backseat to working their gear. Here's John explaining what that looks like on deck. Yeah, so uh, our two boats, um, one is 56 uh, feet long and the other is 66 feet long. We typically have a captain and three crew members on each boat. And one of the main reasons for that is you really only need two deckhands on deck at a time. And so since this is a round-the-clock uh, fishery and go, 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 we try to keep one crewman sleeping at a time and rotate. So uh, our typical shift is four hours in bed and, um, and eight hours on deck. However, your eight hours on deck may, you know, may be running between strings, which 
a crewman would come up and relieve the captain so he can get some sleep. Yeah, there's there's many reasons why uh, this this system here we can get the guys eight hours at least um, of sleep a day, although it doesn't always feel like it, and it's very hard work. So uh, you you do get pretty pretty tired out. It seems pretty important to me to understand this sleep dynamic or lack thereof, since as Hillary said earlier, sleep and nutrition go hand in hand. So with John's sleep schedule in mind. What do he and his crew find time to eat? That is a great question. And John explained to me that his attitude toward nutrition on the boat has changed over the course of his career. A lot of guys do tend to, you know, fill the, fill the refrigerator up with hot pockets and granola bars and things that they can make really quick. It's just, it isn't the same. I told the guys, I said, look, we, we, we can't, eat. we got to cook. We need to cook on this boat. And they didn't like that idea, but once they kind of got started cooking, then it was like, wow, this is, this is really nice. And so, yeah, a lot of times you've got you've to tell somebody, you know, get off the deck and go in and make a meal. Hearing John talk about this makes me think of how Hillary described proper nutrition as fuel. And when you're working as hard as John and his crew, Hot Pockets probably just aren't cutting it. Yeah, I, I think not. The long-term effects of a junk food diet are also pretty undesirable. John described what he sees as important for feeding his crew today from the position of the captain's chair. The nutritional value of eating all this junk food, it just doesn't, uh, it doesn't cut it, especially on my end being up in the wheelhouse. I'm, I'm just sitting up there gaining weight, sitting in a chair and pounding down calories and calories and calories. And it's like, you know, next thing you know, you're hungry right again because there's no value there. So it really wasn't doing anybody any good, but, you know, their feeling was, well, we don't want to take the time to cook. We just want to grab something quick and go to bed. But then they're coming out, slamming down candy bars and things, you know, it's like, oh, that'll, that'll keep me awake. And it's like, no, you're going to crash on the backside of this without getting the protein and the nutrition and everything that they need. And they're getting tired, you know, you know, you're, you get that quick sugar rush, but then you're left empty on the backside. And uh, there's, there's a, a big value in eating properly. And a lot of times it's a lot of calories for the deckhands, but they're burning it off and they're going to burn it. If they don't have it, they're going to be burning something. I want to introduce you now to another fisherman in Southeast Alaska who has taken a really food forward approach to her fishing. I'm Cynthia Adams. I live in Haines, Alaska. I have the fishing vessel Ladyhawk and I fish gillnet for salmon in Southeast Alaska. And I've been doing that now about 22 years. The Ladyhawk is a 36 foot boat. And Cynthia says it's a lot like living in an RV or a motorhome. You have to listen to this amazing description where you can just really hear her love for her vessel. She's super comfortable. I love her. She was built in the 80s and um, she's got a very nice forecastle, which is where I sleep. It's two bunks kind of down below in the forward part of the boat. And it's very dark and uh, cozy down there. So that's good for the three hours of sleep I get uh, <laughs> every night. And I also have a very small galley, but I consider it well-appointed you know, relative to other 
Gilmanners that I've been on. It's got a little bit of counter space and a sink. And my heat source, which is also my cooking, is a Dickinson, you know, stove. I'm sure most fishermen will know about that. Most fishermen have a little stove that burns diesel oil, you know, on their boat. And for some, that's their heat source, like for me, and also the way that we cook. So it's got a cast iron top, so you can fry things, boil things on top. And then it's got a small, you have to buy the right size pan uh, oven in it as well. And that I use a lot because I like to roast vegetables, which is something that probably not a lot of fishermen do out there, but hopefully they will because it's really easy. Cynthia's season runs between early June and September, with July and August being the biggest months where people are fishing around the clock. She typically gets up at 3 a.m. and works her gear until 10 or 11 at night and hopefully delivers her catch at least once a day to a tender. In between working her gear, offloading fish, and getting the occasional bit of sleep, Cynthia really values making her boat a comfortable place to live during the fishing season. I like my comforts. I like good food. You know, my health is really important. I may have a little different outlook on certain things based on, you know, being raised a girl, I think. So consequently, I get a lot of comments about my boat, like how clean it is, you know. Part of Cynthia's philosophy around nutrition is her need to keep her decision-making ability in peak shape. When I got into fishing, it was big, like, wow, this is hard work. There's a lot of it. I've got to be on all the time. You know, I didn't really have a lot of experience. So I was trying to figure out the weather, learning the tides, listening to my engine. I mean, there were just so many things kind of coming at my brain and my eyes, my ears um, that I felt like, wow, my mental acuity (laughs) needs to be on point here. And uh, what can I do? You know, what can I do? Because I'm not really going to get a lot of sleep. So what can I do to help that? Okay. So once again, it's really interesting to hear Cynthia's take on food as fuel to help her keep up with the many physical and mental demands of fishing. Yeah. I think she really keys into some of the lessons we heard earlier from Hillary about needing real nutrition instead of caffeine or sugar to keep your brain running. And I love her first reaction to how other fishermen told her to eat when she first got into the industry. You know, I mean, I was told a lot, oh, just buy yourself a bunch of, you know, soup and some SpaghettiOs and some things like that. And I was like, really? Gross. I feel like we've kind of evolved um, just generally to eat, you know, a little bit better, more veggies, salads, things like that. And I think that that gets a little bit left behind in the fishing industry because we have this um, idea that it's not, it doesn't go really well on fishing boats. Um, Like you can't keep things fresh. You can't keep things refrigerated or, you know, those things. There's a lot of that kind of thought, but with a little creativity and uh, imagination, it's actually pretty easy to eat really well on your boat. And again, back to trying to keep my brain acting or making good decisions, I guess. I felt like I need to keep myself fed and keep myself not sugared up, not caffeined up, but fed kind of with food that, you know, nurtures me and nourishes my brain. Okay. So what is Cynthia eating on her boat? Just like any other fisherman, Cynthia is challenged by that lack of time. So she has found ways to combine the convenience of easily prepared foods with more nutritious options. 
There's a lot of options these days where, you know, you can just open the packet, pour it in a pot, heat it up. And then what I like to do is add nuts or I love to can fish and also moose and deer. Obviously, living in Southeast Alaska, that's <laughs> something that's, you know, attainable. Um, I know that's not for everyone, but it's great to have some kind of canned protein is, is good. So you can kind of augment these fast to eat kind of meals that you can buy in any store. And sometimes they're a little more healthy than others, but you can, I like to add a lot of things. Cynthia uses a good cooler to store her perishable foods, which she replenishes with fresh ice from the tender frequently. She also keeps a sort of root cellar in the form of an insulated tote where she keeps other fresh, but less sensitive things like carrots and potatoes. The availability in stores of things like, you know, romaine hearts and bagged salads and things like that are really helpful. And believe it or not, you can keep those things for days. Um, I know, you know, some fishermen, when I tell them that, I'll say, oh, yeah, you ought to try a salad, you know. This is, and I'll say, buy a bag of arugula, buy a bag of spinach, buy some romaine hearts, you know, and then I'll tell them what else I put in there. And I'll say, you'll be amazed if you've got a cooler, you can keep those in. And even if you have a refrigerator, but my good friend who got me into fishing, he, he actually did buy a cooler based on my, I guess, experience of, you know, how I evolved my, my eating out there. Now, one thing I'm wondering and listening to Cynthia is that while salads might taste good and they do have important vitamins and fiber, they're not necessarily that filling. There's not a lot of calories in them. So how does Cynthia make sure she's getting the calories she needs to work so many hours a day? I had that exact same question because as you and I both know, picking fish is hungry work. And I think Cynthia's approach to getting enough calories would actually make Hillary very proud. You're right. I mean, I say salad to some of the boys and they're like, yeah, whatever, you know, lame, not, not good, not filling, not, you know, anyways, but so I start with the salad, like some kind of, you know, and cabbage is a good one, but then I add on to it, like a lot of cheese, like feta cheese is my, my particular favorite, but there's all kinds of cheese you can add. So I add cheese and I add nuts. Those are two main things that help me get the protein I need, the calories I need, and to feel that there's a little more bulk or um, there's just a little more oomph to the meal. Oh, another thing I like to add are beans. And for the boys in the fleet that like to open their cans and are used to that, (laughs) then beans are perfect because they get to open a can. Yeah, you just have to put in what you like, but put in lots of it. Today, we've talked a lot about food and fishing, and I think we have a few key takeaways. For me, one major takeaway is that diet and sleep are deeply linked. So it's important that fishermen are getting both and as high quality as possible. For me, those three categories of nutrition really stood out. We need healthy carbs, healthy proteins, and healthy fats. And if we are eating lots of sodium-filled foods like canned goods, then having enough potassium is important to balance that out. And while I doubt we can convince fishermen to bring bunches of bananas on board anytime soon, they could try eating things like sweet potatoes, dried fruits, spinach, or even some types of beans. So much like professional athletes, diets matter. And for fishing athletes, eating well is one of the best ways to work harder and longer. In our next episode, we're going to be shifting this conversation around diet to talking about hydration. 
But before we go, I do want to share one more story I heard from John Corbin. Being a fisherman is a demanding lifestyle, and what fishermen do on the boat can become longstanding habits. What John says here is a nice reminder, I think, of how the choices we make daily matter. I know I've developed a habit um, over my lifetime of just wolfing down food because um, even though it might be a nice meal and all that, got to get it eaten and get out on deck. So I still have that bad habit and, and I don't, I don't like that, but it just, it's something you've, you've dealt with your whole life. So you just unnaturally think about, I mean, just, it's like, well, all of a sudden, why am I eating so fast? You're, you're sitting at a table with family and there's a lot of conversation going and you're going shoveling food in your face and, and, uh, you know, your, your plate is empty and everybody else is just getting started and you're going, uh, oops, I better go refill the plate. Yeah. These, these are habits that, you know, you do this for 10, 15, 20 years and whatever it is you're doing, will will stick with you. Thanks for joining us today. In this episode, you heard from Hillary Pride, who is a registered dietitian in Maine, John Corbin, who fishes from the Columbia River area on the west coast of the United States, and Cynthia Adams aboard the FV Lady Hawk in Southeast Alaska. Join us again next time when we hear more from fishermen and experts on the relationship between hydration, alertness, caffeine, and more. To connect with us, visit us on the Fishing Forward podcast webpage at www.coastalroots.org forward slash fishing forward pod. Though we do our best to bring you accurate information and lived experiences in this podcast, please remember that all of the health-related information presented here is the opinion of the interviewees, and it should not be interpreted as licensed medical advice. As always, talk to your physician about your own health needs and circumstances. Fishing Forward is funded by the Northeast Center for Occupational Health and Safety. We also receive support from the Alaska Marine Safety Education Association, Oregon State University, the Pacific Northwest Agricultural Safety and Health Center, Fishing Partnership Support Services, the Maine Coast Fishermen's Association, the National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health, the NORA Agriculture, Forestry and Fishing Council, the Southwest Center for Agricultural Health, Injury Prevention and Education, and the Local Catch Network. Stay sailing.